What is going on people? Welcome to a new episode of Echo Chamber. So, this week we got a couple of films for you, but before we get to those, let's take a look at the top 10 films in the UK right now. So, at number 10 is the classic Emily Ardellini's Dirty Dancing, which starred Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, Kelly Bishop, and Jerry Orbach. At number nine, we've got the Danish. Like, it's a Danish language film. You know, it's going down pretty well, and that is Dream Builders. It's directed by Kim Hagen Jensen and it's got a voice cast of Emily Coppel, Kim Hagen Jensen, Abertel Winding, and Dieter Hansen. At number eight, we have got the BTS concert movie Bring the Soul. And um, just like BTS, this has been a big hit. At number seven, people, we have got... Ah, it's a charming film by William Nicholson, and that is Hope Gap. It's starring Annette Bening, Bill Nye, Josh O'Connor, and Alicia Hart. That means at number six, we've got Walt Dome's Trolls World Tour. So, this has got a voice cast of Rachel Bloom, Anthony Ramos, Anna Kendrick, and Jamie Dorn. Breaking in at number five, we've got the Disney classic Pinocchio. So that means at number four this week, we've got Unhinged. This is from director Derek Bort, and it's starring Karen Pitoris, Russell Crowe, Jimmy Simpson, and Michael Paglajan. At number three, we've got Alexi Standerman's 100% Wolf. So this is, um, you know, it's got a a voice cast of Ilya Swindells, Akmal Salal, Reese Darby, and Magna Shalbaga. At number two, we've got Dan Scanlon's huge hit, and that's Onward. It's got a voice cast of Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Octavia Spencer, and Julia Lewis-Dayfrus. So that means, people, at number one, and I don't think this is a big surprise, it's the new Christopher Nolan smash, Tenon, and it's starring Elizabeth Debicki, Robert Patterson, John David Washington, and Dimple Kabaddi. Okay, so that's the top 10. Now, before we get to this week's films, let's check out a little bit of information, people. Okay, let's go. 
horror fans, this is going to be good news for you. So, Jinga Films are delighted to announce the launch of their new distribution arm, Danze Macabre. Under the Jinga umbrella, Danze Macabre will be focused on the distribution of horror films in the English-speaking territories, the UK, Ireland, the US, Canada, Australia and New Zealand. Danse Macabre will also act as a horror sales sub-label within Jenga Films, whilst Jenga itself expands to include a wider range of genres, including art house. Much like Jenga Films, Danse Macabre is co-owned by Julian Richards and Rosanna Cutellino. Julian was thrilled to confirm the news. Danse Macabre will be the home for horror, run by horror fans, for horror fans. We travel the world, select the best films, and will bring them to our audience in a terrific package. Janga has established a reputation for outstanding horror films from across the globe including the last horror movie, Rabies, a suburban film, The House at the End of Time, The Canal, Our Evil and Stillborn. Dante Macabre will continue that tradition, but as a distributor in the UK, US and Australia, taking our inspiration from former UK label Tartan Films. We will offer genre fans a selection of exotic titles that might never find distribution in the mainstream market, whilst also releasing mainstream titles theoretically and through supermarkets. Marketing and, compute, marketing and communications agency Strike Media will be working with Dante Macabre across their titles. So Dante Macabre will be distributing five titles across 2020. Both Antrim, which is the 26th of October, and the Ringmaster, the 16th of November, will have theoretical releases alongside their home entertainment releases. Gags the Clown on the 5th of October, Purgatory Road, the 2nd of November, and All the Creatures Were Stirring, the 23rd of November, will be released across DVD and digital. So, at the moment, they are planning their 2021 slate and have confirmed the release of Thomas Gurick's award-winning vampire horror, The Curse of Valbugura. Megan Friel's Johnston's black comedy slasher, The Ice Cream Truck. Tinny Tolman's psychological thriller, Freddy Eddie which premiered at Fight Fest, and Justin Reisbuller's New York set slasher Central Park, Mike Sheridan's folk horror Crone Wood, R.P. Kyle's erotic thriller Ecstasy, starring Deborah Cara Unger, Severon Escalan's controversial psychological horror Lust, and Shiver. 
to Psychological Horror, starring John Jarrett, Danielle Harris, Casper Van Dien, and directed by Jinga Films and Dance Macabre's owner, Julian Richards. So there is a lot to look out for, people. And the best stuff will be marked. Danze Macabre. Okay, people. So now we've got that out of the way. Let's get into this week's films. Okay, so Waiting for the Barbarians. This is a new film. And it's actually his... English language debut that of uh, Ciro Guerrero um, now it's an adaptation of J.M. Cotes's book and um, Cotes actually was the one to write the screenplay for the film uh, it stars Mark Rylance as the magistrate Johnny Depp as Colonel Joel, uh, Robert Patterson as Officer Mandel, Gana Bayaraskayan as the girl, um, Greta Sashi as May, David Denick as the clerk, Sam Reed as the lieutenant. Yeah, I mean, everyone gets some um, good names. <laughs> oh, that that's the thing, right? Um, now the gist of the film is this: at an isolated frontier outpost, a colonel magistrate of an unnamed empire suffers a crisis of conscience when an army colonel arrives, looking to interrogate the locals about an impending uprising, using cruel tactics. That horrify the magistrate. So yeah. Like. This film. I have to say. You know. Looks wise. It looks really good. It's very impressive. Um, with that front of things. Right. But. It's. Um, it's a little vague. <laughs> you know. So. It's kind of been split up into kind of two parts. Like, so we have uh, Summer. Um, and that's when Colonel Joel arrives. And then you have um, Spring, which is the return. Um uh, and that's kind of like the second half of the film, as it were. Now, we have this situation going on, but yeah, we're not quite sure, like what actually it is. You know, so as I said, look, there's this outpost, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's gathered around, and this carriage pulls in. And it's uh, Colonel Joel, you know, Johnny Depp. And, um, yeah, people are just like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, but he is indicating that there is knowledge of 
like an impending crisis, a situation. And the magistrate, Rylance, he doesn't really know of any of this. Right, so we're at kind of loggerheads. But, it, 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 yeah, it's just this weird kind of Cold War, right? Because, you know, like, no one's really giving the other any sort of information. You know, it, it, it's just this weird dance that they're doing. And, um, yeah, the magistrate, you know, he feels that, you know, what Joel is doing is inhumane. You know, like, he's looking for these answers, but... Mm, like, how? What? Like, what? what's he really trying to achieve? Now, you... Like, we don't really know anything about the magistrate. Like, but what we see of him at the very... You know, just in the opening ten minutes... Is like he he seems to be entrenched, you know. He he's been there for a while. You get the sense. We don't know how long, right? But we get the sense he's been there for a while, and he has friends there. He knows the people, and he's just kind of he's playing it safe. You know, he doesn't want to, you know, tip the balance. Doesn't want to upset. Anyone, yeah, he he's like just walking the fence, right? He's got some. Seems he's got some local friends, but you don't know, right? This is the thing. You don't know if he's really got friends, or if the people are pleasant to him because you know he's the dude in power, right? So that's. The thing that you never really find out. But from actions later in the film, you do get the sense that I like he's light, he's kind of tolerated. You know, maybe light to an extent, but that's it. But yeah, it's all a little vague, I would say, on that front. But yeah, so, you know, Joel, he's trying to find out, you know, information and everything like that. So yeah, he's interrogating people. He's, um, you know, using certain tactics to gather information. Which, yeah, you always know, you know, that, that's always going to be... Um, it's always going to be problematic, right? Always going to be problematic. Uh, now the magistrate, he, he goes um, to the prison, which isn't a real prison, but, you know, he's like, we don't really need a prison. We don't really have any, you know, real issues. But there's a, um, you know, he finds a couple of people there, an old man and his son. Um, and he talks to them, right, now, that Joel believes that, you know, they've got information about this uprising, Magistrate doesn't, then we don't really see anything, 
right? So the magistrate, so um, Joel leaves, and um, yeah, then we have the magistrate kind of go down and back to the prison, and he finds that you know the dad has been killed, the son's been beaten up. And he sets, you know, he sets the son free, and he's kind of disgusted with everything that's going on. But it's just this, it's a weird thing, because it's like he's not aware. Or it, you get the sense, it's like, has he just had his head in the sand? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're, you're kind of acting like this is a big shock when... As soon as you've had that first conversation with Joel You should kind of know How everything is going to go down But uh, Yeah, so, you know th- This has all happened He um, then st- meets this um, You know, like a beggar woman She's outside, he goes in Has a change of heart Invites her into his place but we again it's just this thing where you don't know why you never really was, he just doesn't really offer you much you know but she's in and he's he starts to you know he's like helping her out but it's all it all comes off as a little bit weird like there's this bit where he's cleaning her feet Right, so she's, you know, we find out she was tortured, right, and I think her feet were broken. So he's cleaning her feet, which, like, again, you kind of think, wait, if her feet have been broken, surely that's going to be painful. But you never get any, ah, you know, my feet, like, that hurts, or, you know, it's it's all a bit odd. But, yeah, there's a scene where he's cleaning the feet... And then all of a sudden, he just stops and goes to sleep. Which is just like, wait, what? Like, w- w- what's going on here? You know, I, then he has her sleep in his bed. And you're just like, wait, surely there's other places where, you know, she could sleep. But yeah, she's in his bed. It, it's just all a little bit odd. Right? It's all a bit odd. And the way Rylance plays a character, you can see it's meant to be kind of regal, kind of noble, no, very measured. But he always talks in a certain manner, never raises his voice. But it just then makes all the interactions a little bit... Because even when he's supposedly seen something that horrifies him or shocks him, there's no outrage. There's no, you know, cries of shame or anger or anything like that. It's all this monotoned approach of his... So it all comes off as a little bit weird. I will say that Johnny Depp, although 
Like, no one really has a lot of dialogue. But Johnny Depp does. Like, we do see Johnny Depp act. And it is a reminder that, yeah, Johnny Depp is a really good actor. You know, when he's not in these roles where he's being kooky and weird and bizarre. You know, you get to see his depth. Right, and what he can convey, even when he's not really saying a lot. You know, I will say that Robert Pattinson probably, I feel he's probably got the the, the rawest end of the stick. Like, his character just is very one note. There isn't really a lot about Officer Mandel at all. Like, he gets angry. But that's it. You know, and... I mean... Like, there's not really much about, um... The girl. <laughs> Otherwise, um... You know, Ghana Bayarazakian. You know, her character... You know, the, the, the one with the broken feet. Yeah, she, not really a lot. Like, there's not... If you unpack all the characters, it's all very surface level. Like, which is the shame of this. Because this film, like, you you come into it thinking it's going to be this examination of occupation, right? This, this land, which you kind of get the sense it's... it's um, uh, you know, it's part of Mongolia, um, but yeah, it's occupied, but not not settled. You know, so yeah, the the natives there is unrest. No one's really happy with the situation, but it's been like a simmering pot on the brink of bubbling over. And people just play it, and it bubbles over, right? And so, you know, you you look at, like, you'd think it's looking at things like, um, yeah, people will treat you one way when it looks like you have the upper hand. But as soon as the board shifts, everything changes, right? And it, and it could have been that interesting look at those dynamics, like how people react, right? How everything like falls into place and just coerce, but it yeah it just doesn't really do that. Like we just have this, we have this thing that looks very good, like it is it's very stunning and it's it's got this really you know this f- nice feel to it. Yes, that it has all of that. That's not the issue. You know what I mean? Like Guerrero just yeah, he 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 you know, does a great job with the direction. You know, the the cinematography, which is Chris Mengs. Yeah, we get these really great views of the desert. God, the market of, you know, just these different places, the way the rooms have been set up and everything like that. Yeah, all of this 
just looks very good. But that's kind of it. The story just doesn't really have doesn't really have any bite to it. You know, there, there's points when you think, oh, this is where it's gonna, you know, become interesting. But yeah, it just doesn't really go anywhere. Like, so we have um yeah, the magistrate returns the girl to her people. But when he comes back, everything has changed. And um, you know, that could have been an interesting thing to play with. Right? But they just don't really Yo, know, we, we have this scene where, you know, the magistrate is in a a situation but then it kind of just jumps ahead a period of time which you don't really know how much and everything seems to be just you know as it was to an extent right there's a, a point where it seems to have bubbled over but again it's like but has it or hasn't it Right, you just don't really know. Right, the information coming to you is um, definitely filtered. Right, even the fact where it's like, it's an unnamed location. It's an unnamed, you know, army. Just these things, like, they they didn't want to tell us. Are you kind of ask yourself, but why? Like, what is the benefit of these things? Because, like, maybe... Because you kind of figure, right, okay, if we don't mark the location, if we don't mark the occupying force, that allows us to, you know, really explore, like, the... You know, the ineffectiveness of torture and uh, this, you know, macabre idea of, you know, anything that we get from it is actually the truth. But you don't get that exploration. And so, you know, you have this thing that looks stunning and has this potential... For like a really compelling piece, but it just falls a bit flat. You know, just falls a bit flat, which is a shame. It is, yeah, just a real shame. And the only real, like the character-wise, you kind of think like. You know, the ones with, like, the most to say are just the white characters. You know, like, the girl doesn't get a name. Doesn't really say a lot. And isn't really in it uh, much at all. So, yeah, there's no local take. There's no, yeah, there's no real, you know, microscope. It's just, well, it is just what it is. 
you know, it is interesting, but just all a little bit flim-flam, really, Uh, you know, I don't know, it is what it is, right, so it's going to be available for digital download on um, Monday the 7th of September, um, so yeah, you'll be able to, uh, you know, grab it then. Um, but that's, I think that's just a limited release, and then it should come out fully on the fourteenth. So, uh, yeah, if you know, if you like history, if you're kind of interested by all of that. Then, uh, you know, maybe this is for you, right? But uh, you can grab it from all the usual places iTunes, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Virgin BT So yeah, there you go people Um, Waiting for the Barbarians Okay, so Sam Macaroni has a new film coming out called Guest House. Uh, So, he produced it along with Scott Clayton and Tara L. Craig. He also co-wrote it with Sean Bishop and Troy Duffy. It stars Paulie Shaw, Mike Castle... Amy Teagarden, Billy Zane, Steve-O, Charlotte McKinney, Alicia Cooper, Chris Caton, Lou Ferengo, Lou Ferengo's son, which I didn't know he had, Eric Griffin, Liz Katz, Bobby Lee, Timothy Delaghetto, and Jack Teeny. Okay, so the gist is um, a newly engaged couple finds the home of their dreams, but it quickly becomes a nightmare, as it comes with a catch, yeah, a party animal named Randy in the guest house who refuses to leave when Randy throws a wild sexy pool party the cops show up and Blake gets arrested um can he and Sarah get through their backyard wedding without a certain loser crashing the party and ruining their marriage Ah, that's right, people. It is a outrageous, raunchy comedy. So, you know, like, we start off with, like, you know, like, a montage, basically, of Blake, who is, um, you know, Mike Castle's character. And, uh, yeah, he's partying. As he was a bit of a party animal back in the day, right? So then we jump forward. Hmm, I think it's like six years, three years, six years, something like that, right? And um, yeah, now he's reformed. 
he's reformed and he's engaged to Sarah, who's Tea Garden's character. And, um, you know, they've been house hunting. They finally find the house of their dreams. I think, like, this is when you, like, you know what kind of film this is, right? Because, you know, it's a little, I ain't gonna lie, it's, I was gonna say a little cliche, it's more than a little, right, <laughs> you know? Like, um, so, they're outside the house, and they're like, okay, if we, if we love it, stony-faced, right, no emotions, I'll be bad cop, that's how we're gonna play it, and of course, they walk in, and he's just like, oh my god, this is incredible, she, and then she's just like, all right, I thought we are going to play it stony face. Walk into another room, and she's like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah. So, I think, from that moment, you know what kind of film this is going to be. Um, Kind of, you know, I was always just a little bit, okay, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back a bit, just a bit, just a bit. But they did not. They did not. So they're getting shown around the house. They hear loud music. The uh, estate agent tries to play it off. But then they push the matter and find that, yeah, they have a house guest who is Randy. And, uh, yeah, he is a squatter. Right, so I think there is a thing that seems to be, like, it's just there, the elephant in the room throughout the whole film, right? So, he doesn't have a lease, doesn't have a lease, so, I, you know what I mean, you, you serve notice, right, and you have three months, but... If someone was to, I don't know, like, I, you'd imagine that certain things are gross misconduct, as they were, which would just invalidate everything. But this is never an avenue that gets explored. I don't know why. It was bugging me the whole film. Yeah, bugging me the whole friggin' film. Ah, there's, you know, so they buy the house, right? Of course they're going to buy the house, even though red flags, red flags, red flags. And um, so it takes them two months to move in, right? So if you've served him notice as soon as you've exchanged, that means there should be a month left. There's never really a moment where they actually try and kick him out, which is the oddest thing. But yeah, so there's just a number of crazy things. You know, Blake promises to try and talk with him. He engages with some shit. It gets crazy. And you just have like hijinks, hijinks, hijinks. Um, Blake works at a place with Steve-O, so it's a skateboard company, and, um, I, like, the weird thing about this is, like, we've seen Steve-O by now in 
a host of different films, right? Seen him in a load of different stuff. But with this, man, Steve-O just seems to, uh, I don't know. I don't even know. It just felt very phoned in by Steve-O. Like, we've seen him be better. Do you know what I mean? We have definitely seen him be better. But, yeah, it was just, it wasn't the strongest performance. Yeah, and there's a lot of performances like that. And, I mean, look, that's probably a bit unfair. Like, it's not a terrible performance, but I feel that everyone is just told to just play it to the max. You know what I mean? And that's what we get. Everyone just being OTT. Like Eric Griffin, Lou Ferrengo. Does everyone's just, yeah, crazy in it. So it's just, uh, it kind of comes off just like very odd. You know? Because you you have, you know, like Blake and Sarah... Who are kind of the the low-key performances. Like, there's points when they do go max, but not all the time. But then you have every other character going like, ah. So it all kind of plays just a bit odd. Plays a little bit odd. And they, you know, we get the usual tropes, right? So... People getting drunk, people on drugs. Now, listen, I haven't done Molly, right? But from like people I know who have, they like no one has ever told me that it just makes you want to fuck everyone because, like, that's. What it is Like people take Molly And they're just acting in this sex crazed way Which is just a little bit odd A little bit odd and weird And also Right You've got People acting in a certain way But then able to like Switch it off for a second Drive home Or go Hold on I think I've been trapped You're like wait You wouldn't be it was just like a lot of imbalance That was the problem here There's a lot of imbalance And it's kind of crazy Right? Kind of crazy You've got just all these weird things going on And there's simple explanations Right? There's simple explanations And ways around it But you then find... Just everyone going in these weird paths And it makes no sense It really makes no sense You'd also kind of feel that If certain caterers arrive At your big event That you did not book You would notice But that doesn't seem to be the case Right, just 
doesn't seem to be the case. It's, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, like, this isn't my type of film. I I feel like that was the big thing here. Like, it's just not my, that's not my sort of film. Like, I like a good comedy, but this was just uh, a bit too much. A bit too much. Like, just nothing really made any sense. Nothing made any sense. And you had, like, these moments where everyone's getting naked. And listen, trust me, people, I'm not a prude. But, right, at least make it make sense. You know what I mean? At least make it make sense. That's all I ask, right? That is all I ask. Yeah, this was just, it was just weird. It was real weird. Like, you then had things escalate in these just ridiculous ways. Right? Ridiculous ways. A possum. A possum. Like you had everyone getting attacked by a possum. But all the things, no one kind of ran away from the possum. And you're just like, what? Huh? How is this happening? And there's plenty of things around which you just be like, wouldn't you just pick up a chair, hit it with the damn chair? What is happening here? Right? So you, you have all of this. The film then goes like is I guess you you look, I'm imagining that everyone kind of just from the premise you know where this film is going, right? You know where it's going. So you 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 have them, you know, do the thing, then obviously it all goes wrong, right? All goes wrong, but it's all brought back together by a just, uh, it was just a a real tired ass plot device at the very end that you could see through as if it was, you know, friggin wet toilet paper. It was crazy, right? So then that just happens and... Yo, we get this revelation from Randy, and you're just scratching your head, scratching your head, it's just, it's very uneven, the film was very uneven, it's very frustrating, I don't know man, I don't know, as I said, look, this isn't, it's not a film for me, I I would say, right, if you're a fan of just, I don't know, like some of the just, you just imagine some of those crazy hijinks films, right? Like Bad Neighbor, those two films. If you're a fan of those, you would like this. I'd imagine you would like this if you're a fan of, like, stuff like Dude, Where's My Car? You know what I mean? Stuff like that, people. Also stuff, you know, probably the Jackass films, Road Trip, you know, Deuce Bigelow. Yeah, I'd say stuff like that, Euro Trip. 
You get what I mean, people. That type of film. If that is your thing, you love that sort of crazy, raunchy, makes no sense thing, then yeah, Guest House is all you. You're going to laugh all the way through. You're going to love it. You're going to, trust me, people, you're going to love it, okay? So, uh, yeah, like all those things that just don't sit with me, hey, they're the things that will make a lot of people chuckle. So the film is out Friday, the 4th of September. And, um, yeah, you'll be able to grab it wherever you grab your films, right? Wherever you grab your films. Actually, people, <laughs> scratch that. It's not uh, It's not Friday. It's Monday the 7th of September. Yes. Monday the 7th of September. You can go check it out. Okay? So, have fun. Enjoy. And, yeah, just chuck it up. But as you will. You'll be laughing. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Okay? So, that's... The Guest House from director Sam Macaroni, starring Mike Castle, Amy Teagarden, Billy Zane, Paulie Shaw, Steve-O, and a host of other people. Okay, people, so we've hit that time again. But before we uh, close it down for another week, let's see what's happening in the world of films. Well, Guy Ritchie has a new film in the works. It's going to be called Five Eyes. He's producing it too. Um, it's written by Ivan Atkinson and uh, Man Davis. And also, Richie will be reteaming with uh, Jason Statham, uh, which will mark their fifth outing together. So, in the film, Statham is going to be an agent recruited by. A global intelligence agency To track down and stop the sale Of a deadly new weapon That threatens to disrupt the world order He's reluctantly paired with a high-tech CIA expert He sets off on a globe-trotting mission To infiltrate the circle of a billionaire arms broker yeah, it looks like filming is going to start next month in um, Europe. So, um, another film that's, uh, you know, coming about is... Um, oh, what's the name of this film? <laughs> the Brutalist. Yes, that's it. So, um, this is going to be directed by a Brady Corbett. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's got a big cast So, Aisha DeBunkle, Alessandro Nivola, Rafi Cassidy, 
Stacy Martin, Vanessa Kirby, Sebastian Stan, Mark Rylance, Marion Coulthard, and Joel Edrington. So, um, yeah, basically, it's gonna chronicle three decades in the life of a visionary architect named Lazalo Toff, played by Edrington, and his wife Ezrelbet, played by Coulthard. Um, they flee post war torn Europe to rebuild their legacy and witness the birth of modern America. However, their lives are changed forever by a mysterious and wealthy client who's played by Rylance. Um, it looks like the plan is to start filming in January next year. It's going to be a multi-language film. So it's going to have English, Yiddish, Hungarian and Italian. Could be interesting, but god damn the subtitles. Well, Karen Gillian and Aquafina, they've got a new film called Shelley, and um, Amazon has just won the rights to um, screen it. So uh, it follows, um, like, well, it picks up uh, 10 years after an embarrassing prom prank which ran Shelley Wheeler, Aquafina's character, out of town and so hardened her heart that has become an ice-cold hit woman. Revenge threatens to be sweet when she learns her next target is her former high school tormentor Diana Park, played by Gillian, but when Diana unexpectedly befriends Shelley, the assassin finds herself in with the cool crowd, protecting her old nemesis against another hit crew hired to kill them both. So yeah, it's um, you know, gonna be directed by Jude Wang. Um, Will McCants is the executive producer And it was written by Michael Dunga and Liz Storm Alright, so Now, this sounds interesting Right, so um, Caleb Pinkett Is, um, you know, he's got a new film coming Called Charm City Kings, right, uh, and it's about the Dunbar heist, so that took place in 1997, and um, it basically went down at the Dunbar Armored Facility in Los Angeles, five men stole 18.9 million in less than half an hour. It was masterminded by um, Alan Pace III, who was a fired employee of the depot. <laughs> Which you kind of feel that's, you know, I mean? they will look into that shit straight away, right? 
took him two years to plan with four of his best friends they avoided the law for four years but it all fell apart when one of the oh my gosh one of the one of the robbers eugene lamar hill bought a house and paid for it with a stack of money which still had the original currency straps around it oh my god that's just ridiculous so he was sentenced to 24 years in jail for that oh man but you know what i mean he did the crime right um so it is co-written by matt nicholas and nastasia kalen and it's being produced by um clarence hammond dougie cash matt nicholson and nastasha klein so uh yeah interesting all right so all right now i think the big thing was when this came out would there be a sequel and it has just been confirmed by Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg that there will. So I am talking about Spencer Confidential. Um, Berg revealed that um, a, a script has been, well, a first draft of the script has been handed in by Brian Hegland um, and they're hoping to um, start production at the end of 2021 or beginning of 2022 so yeah I mean there is a lot of books about the characters so yeah not surprising no word on who's gonna come back but i would imagine the hulk played by will winston duke and sissy plays by liza schlesinger will do because yeah they're both in the books <laughs> um some other netflix news all right so zach schneider has got um, the Army of the Dead, which uh, you know he's making with Netflix. It's a zombie heist film. You know, there's a big outbreak, and um, a mercenary group head into zombie-infested Los Angeles to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Which does sound kind of interesting. So the film hasn't even come out, but Snyder is already working with Netflix on um, some follow-ups, right? So they have a prequel that they're kind of working on and an anime tie-in TV series. So, um, yeah, it sounds like everyone is very pleased with um, what they've seen so far. 
let's um let's see if it's you know pleasing to uh, the viewers all right so we'll end with this mulan you know was to be disney's next big live action film uh now it was meant to be hitting streaming sites i feel tomorrow right that's no longer happening it has been pushed back to um the 4th of december yeah which is kind of crazy i don't know why it, you know what i mean it got moved so far back but uh, i guess that's in time for um you know the christmas holidays and all of that but um yeah there you go people um yeah you know i don't know we'll see what happens with that uh but yeah people that is it for this week and um yeah we'll catch you next thursday all right cool cool enjoy your cinema watching hopefully we will have tenants for you next week all right all right people take it easy Pa peace